Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Wunderbar, the football is back and Bayern and Dortmund picked up where they left off. Schubert's clearance is poor, only to the hood. Dortmund in attacking threat mode immediately. Here's Rafael Guerrero, across the keeper, bottom corner, Borussia Dortmund 2, Schalke Niel in the Riviera derby. On the right, driven in with pace and the header is into the bottom corner and it is Benjamin Pavard who was doubled by his advantage. The champions are back in business. Let's not pretend Germany went off without a hitch. There are a few minor incidents. How close is the Premier League, though, to returning? Bearing in mind the increasing number of voices saying, not for me. However, we are here to look at the positives. Big name guests this week, Jeepers Keepers. We have the England number one, Karen Barsley on Phil Neville. David Martin, the West Ham goalkeeper on growing up at Liverpool and being emotional with his dad. And Ian Dark, the BT commentator on a very different commentary confinement. Auf dem absolute fantastischen game day podcast von TalkSport. This is game day. And allegedly that translates to all on the absolutely fantastic game day podcast from TalkSport, if we do say so. Ourselves. Man, I'm getting into all this German stuff. Hello, one and all. And joining me as always is the omnipresent Crowbar Crook. He manages to find himself <laughs> on every single programme. Breakfast, reviewing the papers. He breaks news for Jim White. He's on the quiz on a Friday night. He writes the quiz on drive time. He stuck his hand up for a return to reporting on live football too last weekend because the Bundesliga is back. Oh, yes. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? How are you getting on, Crowbar? <laughs> that nickname reminds me of um, that comedy, wasn't it? Write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. Who was that? That was um, Little Britain. Harry Enfield, wasn't it? Oh, it was a Little Britain. It's Matt yeah. Lucas, yeah. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit more relevant than Harry Enfield, <laughs> which was probably around about 20 years ago. But anyway, uh, how are you getting on? Okay. Yeah, I've been busy. Been really we busy. So, back yeah, on the, we know. Yeah. <laughs> back on the golf course, back on the tennis court, swimming oh. in the sea every day with my clothes on, despite suggestions to the contrary from Jim White. And as you know, Sam... My skinny dipping days are long behind me. Oh, I'm not sure about that. You love a skinny dip. In fact, you you're, you're, you you love a bit of nakedness, don't you? You you, uh, you, you, <laughs> you tend to get naked quite a lot. I don't know I why that to. is. Not so much now. Maybe I've grown up. Almost got arrested in Bulgaria, if I remember rightly, for getting half naked. That is true, right in front of the Houses of Parliament. And uh, yeah, when the soldier with the gun appeared, that was a bit worrying. Yeah, you put your clothes on pretty sharpish then, didn't you? Um, some big news and some serious news to talk about uh, shortly. We will get our serious hats on. But first of all, let's talk about the return of the Bundesliga. I absolutely loved it. I've got to be honest with you. I know it wasn't perfect, folks. Um, and it did lack a little bit of atmosphere. Some of the defending was a bit... <laughs> Hello. Uh, yes, I'm track Frankfurt. I'm talking about you. But the fact that I can utter that phrase... 
the defending was a bit hollow fills me with joy the fact that we've got football to comment on it's great yeah i really enjoyed saturday it was great being able to dip in and out of games obviously i had the dortmund match on the main screen that was really good i was impressed with dortmund and, and their talented youngsters obviously i kept an eye on our team hurt a bully and what an away win that was but i dipped in and out of the other games as well and if that's a taste of what's to come with Operation Restart in the Premier League, then it, it definitely whetted the appetite. I didn't particularly enjoy Bayern Munich so much on, on the Sunday. I just thought they lacked a bit of intensity. Yeah, but you know they weren't really was. playing you know anybody. They're playing Union. You know I mean, for God's sakes. I mean, it's just like playing playing like a fourth division team, isn't it? You know, who are they? <laughs> Big Berlin Derby is Friday, of course. We're on air with a quiz at eight o'clock and Hertha and Union. Our team Hertha taking on their city rivals, Union, at 7.30. I don't know how we're going to play this. What are we going to do? We're going to watch the first 30, quiz it with, the, with it on in the background, and then the last 15 sort of concentrate and try not to cheer and shout during the quiz. I don't know what we're going to do here. I'm going yeah, to have to have it It's going to take a bit of organising. It is. Well, we can't change the kickoff time, so we, we're going to have to just put up with it. I'm going to have it on the big screen in the background, I think. Yeah, we'll have our scarves at the ready and our replica shirts. Even our producer has crowbarred our way in, into yeah. getting a scarf, hasn't she? Oh, Lucy, yeah, I noticed that. She started sending people tweets trying to get freebies. Yeah. yeah. It worked. Yeah, it did work, actually, to be fair. <laughs> she knows what she's up to. Uh, I thought Dortmund were excellent in what could have been a very tricky game against Schalke, like you said, and, and they'll be back on TalkSport this Saturday afternoon as they take on Wolfsburg. Big game, that, at the Volkswagen Arena. Borussia Dortmund chasing down Bayern, unbeaten in nine meetings with the Wolves, and are in possession of a fearsome front line. Haaland, uh, Haaland, as, as we should say. Uh, Sancho, talking Hazard, who I thought was very, very good. Guero, uh, breaking from left wing back. I mean, fantastic going forward. Uh, Wolfsburg arguably scored one of the goals of the weekend with a wunderbar header from Renato Stefan. Uh, right from the edge of the area. It was a brilliant, powerful header. And they got a last-minute winner away at Augsburg as well. Augsburg, sorry. I'm trying to get... I've got a bit better with my German pronunciation. Augsburg, Haaland. Right, uh, should we get to the top stories? Two members of staff and one player have tested positive for coronavirus at Watford, where the club captain, Troy Deeney, has already decided to opt out of training because he was concerned over safety. According to reports, other players at the club have also expressed reluctance on going back to training. Head coach Nigel Pearson said at the weekend, God forbid we have a fatality people are closing their eyes to that threat. Danny Rose reiterated his concerns. The on-loan Newcastle defender suggesting players are being used as lab rats this week. It is Mental Health Week this week and the PFA have revealed that more than 50 footballers are currently suffering from depression. Erling brought Haaland turned down a move to Juventus in January because they were going to play him in the under-23s. He has since scored 13 goals in 12 games for Borussia Dortmund since moving from Red Bull Salzburg. Yeah, not the best interviewee, though. The mighty Manchester United have been linked with a move for Wolves wide man Adama Traore. Is that bullying of a 19-year-old? <laughs> I think it all got a little bit silly. It's ridiculous. Um, it was a snippet from a, a wider interview. I do think he was trying to be clever. We've all been on the end of that. It's not a great position to be in as a broadcaster as an interviewer but listen as you say he's 19 and it didn't years happen over the weekend did it it wasn't like it happened at the weekend I, I, we had the interview the German TV interview that we played out on Talk Sport on Saturday and we were commending him for the way talk so I do think that was probably an incident where and these do, things do happen by the way people fall out I, I don't know what the backstory is behind it but I thought the sort of trolling of him was particularly OTT 
I've got to say, I interviewed Aaron Moy down at Brighton early in the season. You would expect uh, a brash, confident Australian. He was giving me one-word answers in interviews, not necessarily because he was trying to be clever or funny. He was just a really bad interviewee. Not Listen, not everybody is, is blessed with the ability yeah. uh, to, to give perfect elongated interviews we just have to accept it yeah I did an interview once with uh, I tried to do an interview with uh, Wayne Routledge once and uh, he said to me I can't do it because I haven't had a day off this week (laughs) bless him Uh, Ian Dark on commentating from home is on the way very shortly but let's have a quick chat about the latest developments in the Premier League back to training in small groups six positive tests were returned from 748 conducted in the initial wave but the fact that there were a cluster at Watford, should that deflate the optimism that football's on the way back? Not necessarily, because I don't think there's any suggestion that the reason that the Watford players and staff tested positive were because they've been hanging out. You know, it's just an unlucky coincidence that it's hit that club. I actually think six positive tests out of 748 is a really encouraging number. It's less than 1%. I thought it would be much higher than that. So I'm feeling more positive about Operation Restart at the moment. Uh, key thing for me uh, is to remember that the players are human and I don't think that, that, that moaning to the press and using words like lab rats actually helps anyone. Uh, clearly, the Premier League, like offices, like schools, like surgeries, like construction sites, like hospitals, all are making every effort to make their environment as safe as possible. But I do think if players decide they don't want to play, then that is a personal choice and it should be respected because there might be other circumstances in their life that we're not particularly privy to, which means that they feel unsafe in putting or they feel that the risk is too high for them to to get back involved. I think you you have more people expressing concerns here than you did in Germany. I don't think we had the volume of voices saying, I don't fancy this, thank you very much. But then I think you also got to remember that the scale of the epidemic in the UK and its consequences have been exponentially larger here. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I I think it's difficult to sympathise with with Danny Rose because you've got a footballer who's publicly admitted on more than one occasion he doesn't particularly enjoy football. So no surprise, really, that he doesn't want to go back to playing. Uh, The Troy Deeney situation is is slightly difficult. He has his own... um, health reasons and, and, and health issues in his family. I think you have to understand that. Also, I do wonder um, how much of it is to do with the fact he's based in Birmingham and, and, and maybe he doesn't see the point of this stage in driving all the way to Hertfordshire to train on his own uh, for I an don't hour know. I don't think and then go back to the family home. I don't think that's the, that's the situation at all. I think, you know, speaking to him, and we've, we have spent a bit of time talking to him, you know, he, he is quite rightly concerned about the, the health of his young boy who's, who's five months old and was born with breathing difficulties. I mean, would you take a... You wouldn't take that risk. You, there's no way you'd take that risk. I wouldn't take that risk. So I can completely understand why he's made that decision. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess the question is, did he need to be so public about it or could he have kept his own counsel? I guess as journalists, for us to come out and attack people for speaking their mind, Paul Barber at Brighton has had the same sort of treatment by some columnists, would be a little bit hypocritical. Uh, Joshua King over in Norway is another player um, as an asthmatic and someone with a young son who has also expressed some concern, although my understanding is that he is expected to report back for training at Bournemouth this week, which maybe wasn't necessarily the case initially. No, a couple of weeks ago, I think that would have been a different circumstance. And I think, you know, oh, clubs as well have got to balance it, um, a balancing act to, to, to make as well, because they're in a situation where I'm sure they do not want to be the bad guy saying, actually, you've got to come back from, from wherever you are. To training, especially if people have gone away into environments where it's a lot safer and there are less infections and 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 things are a lot 
healthier and saying, oh, actually, you've got to leave that safe confine of Norway or wherever it is you are and come back to a place which is full of infection. I, I, I'm not necessarily sure that that's a, a very uh, helpful line to take. And it's not one that I don't think the clubs are relishing having to do. They don't want to play the bad guy here. I thought Danny Mills was interesting on kickoff on Tuesday night uh, when he was asked whether or not he would go back to training in these circumstances. He said he'd think about it and considerations would involve whether he trusted his teammates. Are they mm. going to follow the rules? Well, if his teammate was Serge Aurier, the answer would be no, wouldn't it? I mean, not only has he had a jogging video with a friend, now today he's put out a picture of him and a barber after having a haircut. I mean, you can only hope that it was a haircut that happened a long time ago and he was just trying to promote his barber. But it, it certainly Spurs have had to start an investigation about that now. So it's not a particularly great look. No, I, I think this is a situation where you're absolutely right. You do need to be able to trust your colleagues and it's the same in any work environment, actually. Um, and I thought Adrian Durham made a really good point on drive um, midweek. And he was saying that football can be an example to the rest of the country in terms of duty of care for employees, because let's face it, people working in Tesco and Asda aren't going to get the same level of care that our Premier League footballers are getting. They aren't going to be tested on a regular basis and, and they aren't necessarily going to be kept apart quite so stringently as Premier League players are. I mean, look at Bournemouth, for example. We mentioned them. Um, they're giving each of their players their own match ball um, so that they don't even have to share balls when they're returning to training. I mean, I think that maybe is going too far, but that every club is, is taking their own initiative and, and their own steps to make sure that everybody is, is keeping absolutely safe. Uh, well, this is a story that is going to be constantly evolving, so stay tuned to talk sport for all the key updates. You won't have to listen too long before Crowbar Crook edges himself into another great show on the network. This week saw the return of the Bundesliga live on BT Sports and with all eyes across the world on the Germans. The audience was huge, especially in England. So a bit more pressure for our next guest, our commentator, Ian Dark, who uh, made it even more strange for himself. He commentated from home on Hoffenheim against Hertha. Um, what was it like? I mean, it must have been very odd for you. I mean, doing it from a, a spare bedroom at home rather than being even even in an off-tube booth, which is where we do it off pitches in, in a sort of quite sanitised environment. You know, and compared to a stadium, it's completely alien. It was very, very strange and a little bit scary, to be honest with you. I mean, what happened is I got a lot of equipment, enough really to start the International Space Station, delivered in the midweek. Um, you know, my office looked like... Uh, you know, the, the flight deck of a Boeing 747 by the time they finished with it, with all the wires everywhere. I don't know how it worked. As you know, Sam, all commentators are complete technophobes. Well, maybe not you. <laughs> I think you might be the exception. But um, anyway, it was all lashed up. Uh, so then when you get down to be doing the game, as you well know, doing games off tube, as we call it in the trade, that is working off TV pictures and not in the stadium, Um is obviously more difficult because you're dependent totally on whatever pictures the director cuts. Uh, as it happened from Hoffenheim, it was a fairly high camera, pretty difficult. Two teams we don't see a lot of, although mm. I've watched a lot of the tape. Um, and then, of course, as sophisticated as the system is, <laughs> it, it does depend on your Wi-Fi signal at home. So occasionally the picture would freeze um, and that is the scary bit. <laughs> uh, at least they had uh, patches on the back of their shirt, though. Yes, they had. They had nice numbers. Yeah. So uh, 
as you know, with these things, I mean, we shouldn't give away too many secrets of the, the trade, should we? But uh, it it often t- takes you sort of 10 minutes, quarter of an hour to get, get yourself fully comfortable with all the players that are out there where they're playing the systems and so on. I was going to ask about that because obviously a lot of players in the Premier League maybe aren't happy about Operation Restart because they need more time to get up to match sharpness. It's the same for commentators, isn't it? Did you find that after not doing a game for, for several weeks, you almost needed a mini pre-season? Yeah, I did, if I'm, I'm totally honest with you. Um, I did because, uh, yeah, there is a little bit of, of rust. Or, as you know, you hope that the viewers are not noticing it, but sometimes you find yourself just reaching out for the phrase and maybe the fluency that you would have hoped for isn't quite there. But uh, quite often, I think, if we're all honest, doing our peculiar trade, when we put the microphone down at the end, the first thought is usually one of relief. Did we get away with it? Uh, I think I got away with it because <laughs> the goal scorers were right, the score was right, and there weren't too many misidentifications, I don't think. Do you feel more pressure because you knew it was the first sort of tentative steps back into live football? Yeah, a little bit, but I think you should always feel that anyway as, as a commentator. I think the day we are totally relaxed, just starting, that there's not enough of an adrenaline rush. So, yeah, you're right, Sam. I think there was a feeling, yeah, people are watching these games because it's, well, it's the only game in town, almost literally, the Bundesliga at the moment, isn't it? So, yes, just a little bit of extra pressure, though I was pretty conscious, if I'm honest with you, that I would have thought most viewers would have been on the Dortmund Schalke game. <laughs> Not me and Crook. Not me and Crook. We were with you. <laughs> why? Why, why? Where were you two? <laughs> we're Hertha Berlin fans. Hertha Berlin. We're Hertha Berlin fans. We're, 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 we're in the ultras. We've literally adopted Hertha Berlin on this podcast over the course of the last four or five weeks. The listeners voted and that was it. You'll We've... be delighted with their win, won't you? I mean, I... they're brilliant away, as you're well known. What a fantastic goal that third one was, by the way. Yeah, I mean, uh, that probably got hidden in all league because all the focus was on that uh, the, the derby between Dortmund and Schalke. But yeah, that was a sensational goal. If, if Messi had scored it, we'd be watching it 10,000 times. Yeah, we certainly enjoyed that one. I mean, working from home does have its own pitfalls. I regularly have to usher my three under 10-year-olds out of my office just as I'm getting ready to go on air. Sometimes you get a dog barking. One of your colleagues was interrupted by a Tesco delivery driver. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Well, I had a chat with Paul Dempsey. I mean, he's a hero, really, um, this weekend because I think he did four matches from home. Uh, that takes some doing at the best of times, even if you're working from, from stadiums. Um so, yeah, he told me the story that during the game in the first half, there was a guy from Tesco trying to deliver some groceries, banging on the door, and he wouldn't go away. <laughs> there was no one else to answer it, apparently. But uh, the point you make there is interesting. I mean, if you've got young kids, I don't have any more, uh, not at home anyway, and, uh, or a dog who's maybe a puppy. <laughs> I mean, they're all going to get on the air somewhere, I think. Um, uh, did you commentate differently because you knew the audience had a different level of knowledge on the Bundesliga? I know that's what we do sort of ITV commentaries. We're often told that at a World Cup, for example, the audience is so large that you're going to get a large proportion of people that don't have expert knowledge of football. So you need to be a little bit broader with your brush. Was that similar yeah. at the weekend? Yeah, I think that's definitely true. But you, you, you try to maybe, I mean, when I was doing the team news, I, I was talking about how Gruyich was on loan from Liverpool and, of course, the, how the, the Manchester City and Celtic fans of no Dedrick Boyata, um, that kind of thing as well. Yeah, just just really try to get people involved in, in, in the plot of the game and, and really tell them almost from a blank page 
a little bit about those two teams, especially who I think people would not know a, a heck of a lot about. I think, you know, the European football diehards would, but most of the people watching would say, well, tell me something about these teams, get me involved in it. And um, I think that's part of the commentator's job. Do you think this pandemic could change the way we broadcast long term? Because organisations now know that they can do things from home that maybe they wouldn't have attempted before. Clubs can get away with doing managerial press conferences via Zoom rather than inviting the media en masse into their training ground. I hope not. I really hope that that isn't the signal because these days, very many organisations, and maybe for very good financial reasons, the bottom line is the money, isn't it? So if you're trying to cut corners and save money, well, in a way, we make a rod for our own back. If we do a decent commentary sitting at home, somebody somewhere is going to say, well, why are we going to send the commentators all that way with the airfares and paying for the commentary positions when they can do it from home? So I hope it's not the tip of an iceberg. I, I really uh, I really do. But you might have a good point. Yeah, it's something that you and I have talked about before, about the difficulties of doing it off-tube. Doing it off-tube yeah. from your home is even harder. Um, but I imagine that um, whereas it, it does come with some benefits, because usually at half-time you'd be stuck on a gantry, freezing yourself <laughs> to death, uh, looking yeah. for somewhere to get a cup of tea from. But, I mean, at half-time on Saturday, you could have popped down to the fridge and made your own cup of tea. I mean, what did you do at half-time? Well, <laughs> I, my, my, wife was, my wife was very kind. She brought me in a cup of tea, and a biscuit. We've all been eating too many biscuits, of course, during, yes. during this, uh, this <laughs> lockdown. But uh, yeah, I, that was nice. Uh, yeah, and on, on a cold winter's day, it wasn't a cold winter's day. You could do with that kind of uh, uh, home comforts. Let's put it that way. So yeah, that was one one compensatory factor. But uh, yeah, talking about what you said there, Sam, about how uh, it being more difficult off tube. There was the story, and I'm not going to mention the commentator concerned to save his blushes, not that he was to blame, of a, of a game where a goal is scored. And you know what happens when a goal is scored? There's four replays immediately of the goal. Yep. Well, during the four replays, unbeknown to him, the goal had been disallowed. When the pictures came back off the replays, the game had resumed. He didn't know <laughs> that that goal hadn't stood. It was the, had the wrong scoreline and the wrong situation in the game. Not much you can do about that, you know. Happened to me. Happened to me live on ITV4. Happened to me in an Audi, yeah, Audi Cup game. Um, Bayern Munich against Liverpool, I think it was. It was definitely Liverpool involved in it. It was a goal scored, went to, a, uh, went to the four replays, came back. Obviously, it was doing it off tube from London Studios. The uh, score bug had changed over in the top left-hand corner yeah. to represent that it was 2-0 instead of 1-0. And then after about a minute and a half, the score bug changed back to 1-0. <laughs> And that's when we realised how on earth would we know? We would never know because there was no. Because by the time that um, they'd started again, um, that by the time the replays had finished, they'd started again, and the, and the game was in flow. So we would never have known that the goal I mean, had been chalked off. Get out of that, as they say. Eh? I mean, you know, we, I, I always say it when I is where commentators, not miracle workers. Yeah, we, well, <laughs> we just put our hands up and said, "This is what must have happened," and we had to explain it. It was an absolute nightmare. It was so yeah. embarrassing. It was terrible. And nobody's going to forgive you, are they? Not not these days on social no. media. You're just get you're just going to be slaughtered on social media as being incompetent. <laughs> and how have you got the job? Why are they paying you for this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> One element we haven't touched on is the ghost game, the lack of supporters. How much did that change the way that you approached it as a commentator? Did it feel odd with a vast arena having nobody in it? Yeah, I think that's a great point, actually. I think that was the biggest thing about it. No matter how good the players are, and even 
how good the game is, it feels like a training exercise, a reserve game, without that soundtrack in, in the background, that passion. Um, and I think that's a big thing. And I, I was hearing this morning an interview with Didi Haman, the old Liverpool player, and apparently in Germany you can take an option on the TV of having a kind of dummy soundtrack, which, of course, these days can be more sophisticated than in the past. Apparently that's quite good. So I think that may be something... Um, far be it from me because I don't make the decisions that, that BT Sport maybe want to have a look at with the Bundesliga because I think that would make quite a big difference to the televisual experience. A quick word on Hertha Berlin who you watched, our great team, our boys, our winners, our champions above Union in the table now. That's all we're really worried about. Big derby on Friday night. Um, what did you think of them? You're doing a very good impersonation of a real Hertha Berlin. <laughs> Where's my, I've got my Hertha Berlin scarf and shirt here yeah. somewhere. I thought they played, I mean, you, as you well know, they've been letting in a lot of goals. This season. I think this was their worst defensive record at this stage for 29 years, um, letting in 48. So the clean sheet was good. I mean, yeah, being honest, Hoffenheim missed some good chances in the first half, particularly Baumgartner, that one he had. I mean, that was um, really not much more than a tap-in. But uh, they rode their luck a little bit, but they were deserved winners, I thought, in the end. I think they... Uh, I think they had the best player on the pitch, didn't they? And Ibisevic, who was crafty yeah. and good and a, and a thorn in the side. Great to see him at the age of 35. And, you know, you, you said about telling stories and his story is a, is a, is a fascinating one. You know, fleeing the Balkan Wars and living in America and sort of obviously very bad experiences because he can't even talk about what happened to him in his childhood. So, you know, he was a story and he got, he, he got a very good goal with that header. So, yeah, they were worthy winners of the game. I think, you know, their opponents... And, on a bit of a crest of a slump, aren't they? But I think Hertha Berlin, despite all these managerial changes this season and the fiasco <laughs> with Klinsmann, are probably on their way up the table a bit. They've got the derby coming up on Friday night, haven't they, against the Union? Yeah, it's going to be cracking. Thanks very much to Ian Dark uh, for joining us and taking us through his thoughts on the Bundesliga from last weekend and what it was like to broadcast his commentary from home for BT Sport last weekend. Uh, did you feel better um, after listening to Ian Dark about Hertha's chances of survival? I mean, jumping above Union was particularly impressive, I thought, this weekend. That was the biggest um, feather in the cap. Yeah, there was some quality football on display, not yeah. least that goal from Cunha and Ian Dark, who obviously probably studied the game more religiously than I did because I was flicking through matches. Clearly, he was really impressed. He mentioned that away record. I think maybe we, we've joined the fan base at a good time maybe we've actually changed their form one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. 
Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Watching. England number one, Karen Barnsley and David Martin of West Ham United uh, to come in a bit of a goalkeeper mashup later on. But there's been a ramping up of football content with the return of the Bundesliga and the rerunning of Euro 96 on ITV. Uh, the, the night against the Dutch was obviously spectacular. We've seen that very recently. And to be honest, it was a brilliant performance from two strikers who had got pelters in the previous game against Scotland. I don't know if you saw that game against Scotland. Uh, when it was replayed on Sunday night. But Big Ron was getting absolutely stuck into Teddy Sheringham for a start. Yeah, he was. And we're going to be having Darren Anderton on the game day podcast in the coming weeks. But I was speaking to him last week and, and he was he was saying about the pressure that they were under, you know, after all the shenanigans that went on pre-tournament with the dentist chair and the smash TV on the aeroplane. And they didn't play well against Switzerland. They didn't play that well against Scotland either. And basically the whole tournament turned in the space of 60 seconds. The David Seaman penalty save mm. um, when Yuri Geller got involved. And if you watch it, the Apparently. ball definitely does move before McAllister strikes it. No question about that. Yeah. And then the Gaza goal. And of course, the shackles came off against Holland and, and the rest is history. Although maybe it's not that dissimilar to the last World Cup in that, that you can actually count the number of good performances on one hand. They played really well against the Dutch. It was a grind against Spain. They were actually really good against Germany and probably deserved to win it. But some of the group stages weren't that inspiring. Yeah, well, we, I've certainly enjoyed watching it, re-watching it back. And also, I've never really... So everyone talks about the, uh, the Scotland game as if it was a great, big, fantastic event. But actually... Yeah, I've always thought that the Dutch game was the pinnacle for me. And it's always been the pinnacle England performance. And and to be honest, watching that Scotland game, I didn't realise how bad it was. It was a poor performance, really. They didn't get going until Jamie Redknapp came on. Jamie Redknapp actually really lifted them once he came off the bench at half-time. And then he, he ends up getting injured after about 20 minutes, which is a disaster for England, really. Um, that doesn't sound like Jamie Redknapp getting injured. You sure? It was. It, he definitely did get injured, yeah. Uh, but we, we've all got our guilty pleasures, haven't we? I know you, you've, you've got yours, Coronation Street. It's one of those things you do in the wee hours of the morning when no one else is, is looking to keep you entertained. Um, mine's Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, have you ever seen the Real Housewives of Cheshire, though? You know what? Unfortunately, I have because I have a wife who is obsessed with all yeah. those you? You reality TV stuff. You, I mean, you must be able to watch something else, right? You've got another TV, you've got an iPad or something. Well, sometimes I have to feign a passing interest, but I mean, listen, it, it, it's car crash television. But I did speak to a Premier League player whose wife plays a starring role. He's no other uh, than Burnley defender Eric Peters. And I did ask him, because we all know what footballers are like, how much stick he takes after every episode. Every single Monday, Monday morning on the session, I have heard loads of times, oh, tonight they're going to sit down, going to watch the Real Housewives of Cheshire. I'm like, boy, you're going to watch it? I have to watch you. I have to watch you, missus. Can't miss anything. Of course, the Tuesday coming up, a lot of stick I got. But uh, it's good, though. You know, the thing is, like, the missus supports me, everything what I do. And there's a small thing what I can do to, to pay that back and just supporting uh, her and what, what she loves to do as well. So, yeah, it was, was kind of funny. She's, she did a step back down uh, now to not be in the show as much as possible. Uh, being busy with our own, own stuff. So, uh, but it's, it was a good fun. One of the themes in the show, I think, is, is that you adopted a couple of rescue dogs. Is that yeah. right? Has your love of dogs sort of given you something to focus on during these times of lockdown and isolation? Yeah, we, maybe, you know, we have four dogs now at the moment and uh, looks like gonna gonna stick with that as well. 
Uh, no, the missus uh, rescued two dogs from Bosnia, uh, where she originally is from. Uh, she saw those uh, uh, the first day, but she called me the last day when she was in Bosnia for a week, uh, do some TV stuff, interviews, and, uh, and all kinds. And then she called me up crying, saying, oh, I found these puppies. Uh, they can't live on the streets anymore. I was like, what do you want to do? I want to rescue them. And there were eight of them. I said, baby, can't rescue eight dogs. Even though we, we, we can make the space for them, but we can't rescue eight dogs. So can I take two then? So take two and see what we, what we can do with it and see how it goes. Because it was kind of big struggle to get them back in the UK. Of course, uh, as well, um, with, uh, with, with the UK stepping out of Europe, all this stuff. So, uh, but at the end, we, we managed to do it. And, and, and they've been really, really good at the moment. And, and during this lockdown, they... They keep you alive, to be honest. But in the future, we, we're looking forward to, to rescue more dogs and give them a better home. I would not be happy if I got a phone call and my wife was saying, oh, I, f- I found some puppies. Uh, can I adopt them? Uh, how many are there? Eight. Eight puppies. No, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. And to be fair, I, I give him a little bit of kudos because he did stand up to her and say, no, you can only have two. Oh, what a brave man <laughs> actually to be fair I probably would have just given in because I'm that weak right how difficult must it be to be a goalkeeper in lockdown let's get to our interviews with David Martin the West Ham goalie on David Seaman and Phil Parks but first I caught up with England's number one goalkeeper Karen Bardsley of Manchester City to check in with how she's doing having not played for nine months it, it, it's it's hard to kind of actually hear that said it, it, it doesn't seem as long as that but um it certainly has felt it um yeah it's been a pretty trying time not gonna lie it's been a really, really long time away from football, and um, it was a pretty lonely existence, you know, being stuck stuck in the gym essentially, uh, trying to get back to fitness um, after a pretty awkward injury and and surgery. So um, I, I was just cleared for a return to training, and I'd been training for about two or three days with um, the girls that were still at the the club over the international break, and I could not wait for for everyone to return from the She Believes Cup and the Cyprus Cups and their various tournaments. And, um, yeah, we went into into isolation um, the day before everyone was meant to return uh, in preparation for the FA Cup. No. So, um, yeah, it's just like <laughs> it just kept getting more and more extended. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like this is really, really strange. So, um, yeah, it's been a long time since I've, I've played a game of football. It's – um. <laughs> it's kind of it kind of messes with you a little bit you, you kind of forget like what what am I doing here you know like I was saying to some of the girls it, it felt like I had won a competition and I was just kind of like getting to hang out at the training ground <laughs> you know it's like oh I get to be around everyone every day and you know this is great um how is England's number one goalie coping with lockdown itself are you finding it easier <laughs> have you come got got new habits have you been training in weird ways what are you doing yeah um it's been it's been pretty weird. Um, I think it's been pretty weird for everyone. So I don't think it, by any means I'm alone. In but that it's regard. harder for a goalie, right? <laughs> I suppose. I mean, yeah, it does kind of help if you get someone to take shots at you and everything like that. But um, I think for me, fortunately, I, I I always keep myself pretty busy and occupied. Anyway, I always got something kind of on the go, whether it's you know a random research project or something nerdy like that. Um, oh, like what? What but, are you researching? Well, 
like future trends in women's football and in various sports. Um, a few things for, for Man City and kind of spinning the cogs in the background, um, you know, about what it takes to win, things like that. Um, I'm also doing some stuff with the, the Women's Sports Trust. So, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty cool. Um, you know, I think you actually mentioned it um, about, you know, picking up cooking and, and kind of enjoying that a little bit more. I believe you, you said you were a, a budding master chef. I am know, now, so. yeah. I mean, I've had to teach myself, <laughs> you know, but it's okay. I, I think, you know, the poor old guys that present MasterChef are quaking in their boots because I'm coming for them. Right, right. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you uh, – you stick to your word because I'd love to see you on it because I've been watching loads of it. I mean, I was never a great chef beforehand, but yeah, I've certainly taken to it. Um, I love like doodling, drawing. So I've been, I'm doing some of those. There's some online, what would you call it? Like life drawing classes that you can tune into and you can, you can draw like models and things like that. So <laughs> well, that's good. Really, really random. I've um, been doing, you know, obviously, like the clubs provided us with um, some equipment, and we've been doing like our home workouts and individualized plans. But every once in a while, you tune into you know like an Instagram live and and kind of join in with with that if you want something different. We've done some like hip hop abs and all sorts of te- you know terrible things like that. But uh, it's been good fun. Um, Manchester City doing some good stuff, including the nurse training at the the Etihad. Um, I mean, have you heard anything? about that have you seen anything of that i know that the the community stuff they're always pretty good with yeah you know i i was definitely aware that um the club donated to the food banks um as as well as man united um i'm aware that they've transformed the the etihad into a place um where the nhs or essential workers can go and get testing and they can offer testing to the wider population as well as providing facilities for them to go and you know rest, recuperate, um, train if they want to, those types of things. So I think also um, I believe the the citizens page has become, you know, a place where you can get access to videos, to training videos, just kind of like mental health care stimulation and things like that. So you can play games and, and stay active. Uh, they've provided some activities for kids and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, they're definitely playing their part in the community, I think, which is a, a, a key element to <laughs> what makes City so great. And yeah, no, I just, I just, I'm really proud that that they've made a conscious effort to kind of make sure that they're calling, you know, the vulnerable people at home, um, a lot of the season card holders, things like that, just making sure that that those people that need it the most are, are getting looked after. Obviously, the lockdown has given us the opportunity to sort of be a little bit more reflective we've had time to look back at some of the the great successes the the news has sort of filtered out that your England coach Phil Neville is leaving how how did you feel about that yeah um when I heard about that I was I was really sad actually um like you said uh at the beginning of this conversation like I've not really touched the ball for a while and you know that means that I've not been able to be a part of the England setup for a while and you know that's something that's really close to my heart and I found it really difficult but I rang him up straight away and was just like gutted that you're gonna go but you know I I hope everything works out and everything like that and he's like well hang on we still got you know like the Olympics and we've still got all this to kind of look forward to so like don't get too sad just yet you know so I thought okay that's still pretty encouraging um but you know I've, I've learned a lot from from Phil um I think what I've recognize the most 
is like any relationship you have to you, you just have to start building it you know from day one so um I remember when we went to Lamanga and there were rumors that he was going to take the job and he showed up at our camp and it, it was you know declared official and he, he he stood in front of us and you know he was just very very um motivating to listen to you know I think what he's done for women's football in this country has brought a lot of attention to it and um he's he's promoted it in a way that we've never had before um and I think that's been like absolutely enormous in terms of raising the profile of the game and changing the perceptions of you know women's football and women's sport in this country as well so um for me I'm massively grateful and like I said when we had to build our relationship we started from the ground up and you know he set out a few challenges for me and I think just like any professional relationship there's ups and downs and um you know you kind of have personality clashes here and there but on the whole the challenges that he set out for me were were challenges that he knew would help me improve and you know whether they were you know actually physical challenges or psychological challenges um i would say predominantly they're probably psychological challenges in terms of backing yourself and believing in yourself and getting to your to getting to the point where you know you can compete at the highest level with the full belief and enjoyment um that leads to a, a top performance and i think that showed for me up in up until i got injured in the world cup so um yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna be sad to see him go just because i know how much he's done um for me personally and and for the team throughout the build-up to the world cup and throughout the world cup so yeah um i'm gonna be sad to see him go and Karen, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. Good luck uh, with your cooking and with getting back to football <laughs> at some stage. Well, thanks very much for having me, Sam. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and, yeah, all the best. Take care of yourself. Fascinating to hear from Karen. Since we recorded that, it does suddenly appear there has become less chance of her playing in the near future. Uh, speaking of goalkeepers, David Martin, of course, is the son of West Ham legend and talk sport favourite Alvin. Uh, he's been telling Sam that he had other heroes growing up. So, yeah, I, obviously, I just about uh, remember Phil Parks, but I think uh, Ludo, well, obviously, I looked at Ludo and I was just like, he was like, to me, he was that beast of a man, wasn't he? And Massive. The, yeah, the, the, the kit and and that. And obviously, Dad was my hero, but I think Ludo wasn't too far behind. Uh, this but- is Ludek McCloskey who made all those great saves on the final day of the season in 1995 to stop Man United winning the title and giving it to Blackburn. <laughs> yeah that's the one that, that's that's the man so uh, yeah it was recently he came into the training ground really and it was it was that was another surreal feeling uh managed to get a, get a little picture with him so that's going to go up on the wall definitely so um yeah that would that, that was me but then i've had you know, loads of heroes um like someone like david seaman or casillas because when i first went in goal that was the the man that was playing at the time but yeah that that, that, that i would say that's it and do you model yourself on on any of those goalkeepers, or do you take bits from from any other modern goalkeepers? I mean, a lot of people make a lot of of, of the way that Neuer has sort of changed the way a goalkeeper is by the way he uses his feet and he comes out in that particular way with his legs splayed slightly. Are those things that you watch out for and study for? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know, Seaman for one, uh, he was he was a goalkeeper that he never tried to make. Um, you know, the, the easy things look hard. It was always the other way around. Um, and, you know, he's not, he wasn't one of them to, you know, throw his arms up and, 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 you know, do the cat kind of, you know, tumble and, and spring and unless you really needed to, which he could. 
Um, and you could tell he was a real team player. And I've, I've tried to look at that. I think, no, that's that's how you should be. You should be there for the team. Yeah. Um, and easy to get caught up in, you know, the selfish where you want to start making things maybe look a little bit. Of course, there's a time to parry, but, you know, a lot of the time, you, you know, if you can catch it and take pressure off the team, then, then, then great. Um, and that's why I've tried to model myself on through my whole career. Um, so um, and here I am today. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that you went at 19 to Liverpool and you moved to Liverpool and you were part of their setup for a while. Um, did, how much did you learn there? Uh, for me, it was the, it was the biggest uh, learning curve I had and it gave me the foundation what I needed for my career. Um, it was tough going in so the, especially the first 18 months um, like I went in there as a reserve um, team goalkeeper um, I didn't have a goalkeeping coach so I'd be training out on pitch which was um, you know a blessing in disguise really um, so you know it got me used to trying to receive the ball making space for myself first touch where did I where would I put it for my next pass um, and then after you know Xavi Valero actually came to uh, the club um, and then I managed to go to Hong Kong on a, um, a pre-season tour um, just by default because they brought another goalkeeper in that um, that, that it was meant to replace me but um, he couldn't get a permit so I went anyway uh, Xavi just said leave him in goal um, and that first year really I was doing you know possessions with I was playing against Xavi, Xavi Alonso Xavi Alonso and um, Gerard and Mascarano and I've had these players running at me in possessions and, that, and I'm, I'm thinking oh. but it, it, it got me to a stage where I did improve um, slowly but surely um, and then the goalkeeping came along as well and it gave me a great foundation for, for the rest of my career. Well, listen, we've loved talking to you so thank you very much for giving us an insight into that and what you've been up to um, and hopefully we'll see you on a pitch very, very shortly indeed. Yeah, Sam, thank you. So before we leave you, we better briefly touch on what's happening in League One. They've been having meetings over the last 24 hours about whether or not they're going to uh, end their season with playoffs or without playoffs. Who's going to be promoted and who's going to be relegated? Remember, the League Two clubs have already voted to end their season with no relegation and to use average points per game to decide their promotion and to stage playoffs. What are we expecting from League One, Crook? I think similar. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how quickly that decision will be reached. Obviously, the EFL board met again on Wednesday. I'm anticipating if it is put to a vote, it will happen either on Friday or maybe even early next week to give all the clubs time to ponder their options over the weekend. But I think it does look like uh, points per game to decide the final table. That won't be weighted. It'll just be a straight points per game decision. And then the top two go up automatically. And then it will be a case of playoffs for the rest. What's interesting here, actually, um, Wicked Wanderers, my understanding is, have been quite vocal that they do not think it's safe um, to resume the season. Now, they do have a vested interest because because on points per game, they get promoted. Would act, they would get promoted. And they're in eighth um, position in the league. So that's a massive jump. Yeah, precisely. But someone made the point to me, and I think it will be irrelevant anyway because it will be points per game. But if it wasn't, they just decided to freeze the season now and have a playoff to decide who goes up. Well, surely Wickham would not deem it safe to take part in that playoff. I wonder if their tone might change a bit. Mm, be interesting to see what happens, won't it? Because um, there's obviously quite a few lively characters involved in that meeting as well. 
<laughs> who have been quite vocal over the last week or so. Uh, four Egyptians were nicked for an armed robbery this week wearing Mohammed Salah mask, would you believe? The men uh, were picked up uh, and arrested after attempting to loot a store uh, in Cairo, uh, but they obviously didn't have the same sort of speed and awareness as uh, Mohammed Salah because the cops pinched them as soon as they tried to escape. Uh, but, uh, I mean, listen, if you're going to wear a, a mask, it might as well be Mohamed Salah. Why not? Why not? Why not? Uh, Pharaoh cop, mate. Uh, right. Uh, what's the latest on Hennis the Goat? Remember last week we brought you this story about the lack of mascot at Cologne, the first time they've been without him or her in a decade. Um, do we know the sex of the goat? Do we, is it a him or a her? Are we sure on this, Luce? Do we know? Right. So I've been quite intrigued by this goat. Yeah, so- I, I, I know you have. All morning I've been researching it. Okay. So we're on Hennes number nine, um, and then I've tracked down the zoo he's based at. All right. So he's crossed, so, we can get in touch with his carer. So he doesn't he doesn't live on site? No, no, he doesn't live on site. Although uh, there's lots of videos of him escaping. Really? From the zoo or the stadium? But, no, escaping his handler and running around the ground, but then also being involved in a bit of controversy as well. Why? What happened? So, uh, in 2015, Anthony Uja... Right, yeah. He uh, scored a goal, obviously was very involved in the moment, went over to Hennes and um, picked him up by his horns. Oh, no. And as you can imagine, you know, I'm sure he's a nice bloke, is Anthony, but it's, you know, it was a bit uncalled for. So he ended up having to go to the zoo and apologise to Henners and feed him a few carrots. <laughs> it's a bit off, isn't it, getting horny with a goat? <laughs> oh, sounds gruff. Um, right, live commentary of the Bundesliga is on TalkSport this weekend, including Wolfsburg against Borussia Dortmund on Saturday. Crook and I will be ringing you the quiz on Twitter on Friday night on the Twitter feed. 8 o'clock, smack bang in the middle of the Berlin derby, so you can join us for a watch-along on 50 questions on football as well. Uh, Lucy will be charged with trying to track down Hennes in the next week and find his handler, so we'll try and get that person on uh, next week. So we'll see you then. Stay safe, stay sensible and enjoy your football. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.